The Across Her Table podcast is constantly trying to tell stories that inspire. If you like what we are doing, could you please consider subscribing to us? We're a small indie podcast and small gestures of support from you can go a really long way for us. And while you're at it, do you mind giving us a rating on Apple Podcasts? When you recommend us to a friend, it helps us build stronger networks and reach more people. We can impact change simply by spreading the word. So share the joy. This is Mifra Abid from the Greater Toronto area and you're listening to Across Her Table. This is a podcast where I talk to remarkable Canadian women with immigrant roots and how they're contributing to the social narrative in Canada. Moving to Canada has been an adventure for me, and every day I meet inspiring women who have stories to tell, values to share, and so much to give to their communities. Let's get started. Immigrants have a knack to adapt and switch gears while constantly seeking opportunities to thrive. While the older wave of immigrants concentrated on economic security, the millennials and post-millennials have different ideas about success. And that means also exploring their creative instincts. Our guest today pursued her master's in biochemistry from the University of Toronto, no less. And she worked in big pharma eventually found her true calling in writing and illustrating children's books. Tasmia Mahmood is a Bangladeshi Canadian who now owns her own company, Wish Upon My Story. And welcome to Across the Table, Tasmia. So it's not nice to finally have you on the show and to talk about your enterprise and your roots. So thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure is all ours. So Tasmia, tell us, you are a Bangladeshi Canadian living in the greater Toronto area. So what is your story to Canada like? Um, I came to Canada when I was um, age 11, 12. Um, I was in grade six. And um, before that, I lived in Bangladesh uh, with my, you know, my whole family came here. And me, my older brother, who's two years older than me, and my parents. And um, yeah, it was it was tough initially, of course, you know, for any immigrant family. We moved to Scarborough um, and we were basically surrounded by very much like-minded immigrant families, you know, everyone who were educated and professional back in their homeland and coming here and then starting from scratch, building their life ground up, you know, um, doing odd jobs. It, it was really tough for um, myself and my brother to see that um, that huge transition in our parents' lives. Has it ever been a case like you have to balance out two different cultural identities? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, because at home, it was still like majorly, we were like, you know, my parents raised us Bengali um, culturally, right? Um, and because we all already 
had much of the knowledge of like you know the Bengali culture before we came it was like, like a culture shock for us after we came here and you know we went to like a regular public school you know um, where it was it was like the, the pre-teen teen phase where everything everything that was desi was uncool and you know you you would have to kind of completely deny the desi side of yourself you know and try to, to try to fit in but um that there's always a peer pressure, especially in high school. That's that's like the, the I think the toughest for any um, immigrant children, um, because they're they're battling so many things on top of um, you know just this whole identity and culture clash. Um, but you know, eventually um, you kind of find your niche, I guess. You know, like you find your friends who are kind of similar, and you know, um, you kind of. As, as you get older from moving on from high school, you kind of start to appreciate your culture again, I think, you know, because you want to hold on to your uniqueness and what what makes you you basically, you know. So um, the transition definitely happened. Now I tend to move more towards my unique culture, my religion, you know, what makes me me. And not try to fit into what the mainstream wants us to be. Oh, that's so interesting because I've come to Canada pretty late in life, but I think those um, this is a story which my kids will probably take lessons from because they've not born in Canada, and you know they'll probably very soon face more or less the same kind of you know cultural dissonance, and you try to find a middle ground. So that's really interesting, actually. So you continued your education here and you went to the field of pharmaceutical. What was your education like? Um, yeah, so I, my parents are both from science background. We have like a serial PhD holders in our family. Like education is huge for us. Like, you know, and, and, and I'm probably going to do the same with my children. Like, I think education is what makes us us you know our character builds our character it, it like the education never takes away anything from anybody and um mm-hmm. no matter what you know we end up really doing or, or you know depending on the, the time in your life or whatever that education will always build us up I think you know um so uh I I studied chemistry and bi- biochemistry in, as an undergrad at U of T and then I went on, went on and did my master's degree. At the time, I got married and I did my master's degree. And then I started my um, career in pharmaceutical company, you know, and um, I, I learned so much about my life um, or as in like, so I gained so much skills as a um, throughout that whole career that still benefits me, even though right now I'm, I'm a business owner. But that's a big jump, you know, from being in big pharma to being a full-time writer, illustrator, entrepreneur. So how do you develop this entirely new set of skills? I always had a creative side to myself. Um, growing up, um, we didn't have too much like toys or gadgets or devices, right? So we were kind of um, left to use our imagination and, you know, um, invent our own things, you know, at home you know, something that is like a really good side effect of being bored, which is why I always encourage my children to just mm-hmm. be bored, you know, because that's when your creative side starts to churn, right? So um, I think the creativity <laughs> was always there. And, you know, um, I, I, I used to read and, and stuff, but, you know, um, I think 
what really um, got to me was uh, how creative the children books are, you know, and I didn't have that many children books growing up, but once I had my kids and I started, you know, going to the library and started getting more children books, you know, it was more for myself. I felt like I was getting them for my kids because I just really enjoyed them. You know, like I just really enjoyed the simple messages they had. But it, at the same time, they were so impactful. There's so many good values that were like, you know, lying beneath the story. And and, and I just kind of fell in love with the whole genre of like children book and then of course um the illustration is something that I always had a talent for you know like I sold my first painting when I was in grade nine you know and, and yeah like it was always there you know but my parents were like science 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 you know you gotta go to university and do science like forget your art forget it <laughs> so like um it was a lot of um a lot of I guess academia initially in my life right but I never left that creativity um I always did that as a hobby you know, and um, right now, it, like, you know, it just seemed like the right time with um, having my children small. And, you know, um, I, I missed that side uh-huh. of me. That was the creative side. And I felt like if Allah gave me this gift, you know, that I, I have to make use of it and I, I have to do something to my fullest potential, you know, because that is probably why I was meant to have this gift to begin with, you know. So, so it was a lot of kind of um, getting in touch with my intentions, I think, um, with my purpose for for my talent. One thing about your story that really resonates with me is when you say you went to libraries and you felt you were getting the books more for yourself than for your kids. I so identify with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so entertaining. <laughs> children books children books are really fascinating in so many ways uh, because you know uh when my kids were like they were born in india and yeah. we have so many the system of public libraries there so i mm-hmm. spend a fortune on just children's books on them you know oh, i would just yes. read to them as to enjoy you know mm-hmm. and used to yeah it is it is wonderful actually it's a great part of childhood yeah it is Tasmi, now that we are on the topic of children's books, we have to talk about your books. So I want to back up a little. And can you tell our listeners what Wish Upon My Story is really all about? So uh, Wish Upon My Story is basically a um, personalized children's storybook brand for um, Muslim kids. Uh, so uh, what what I mean by personalized is that um, what what it already exists in in the mainstream is is where you see the child's name and the child ends up being like the star of the story and usually a a personal a personal aspect of the child is incorporated in the story throughout the book so um um just to mention that my husband is the the techno, technical expert in 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 the company um and so he has a lot to do with the personalization part of part of the brand so um you know there are big brands out there in mainstream that do this already you know um like wonderfully and um uh put me in the story this whole bunch out there Mm -hmm. um and you know there's a lot on birthdays and christmas and you know uh you know the mainstream events right or like the holidays um but i i realized that there aren't really any for muslim kids in terms of like you know a personalized book for Eid and Ramadan so you know I, I, I felt like there was a void there that needed to be filled and I realized how much children that are growing up here in the west would benefit from something like that you know where we're all constantly kind of um, trying to instill their own identity in our children you know um, 
to see themselves and their name on a book that's about them and their faith and their holiday, it, it's huge, right? So uh, that that's where the idea came from. You know, interestingly, when I was growing up, I don't remember seeing characters in mainstream storybooks that either look like me or dress like me. So what do you think, you know, what kind of impact does it have on children, especially from minority groups, to see themselves in literature? Oh, it, it's huge because um, I think a lot of this identity confusion stems from that, you know, is that children of minority background end up reading mainstream books that don't represent a lot of them, you know, in their and their background. And, you know, um, they're, to, to actually see themselves in the book, it gives them a sense of belonging. You know, it gives them a, um, it kind of gives them the confidence to be who they are, you know, and know that, you know, there's a whole world of people out there who, who are like you, you know, and um, have, mm-hmm. uh, have the same values and the, celebrate the same things, wear the same clothes or eat the similar type of food, you know, like, um, so that representation is, is um, really big for, for them to really embrace their own identity. What did you learn in the whole process? Like how, how hard was it to make this transition? Oh, um, it was hard. It was hard, especially um, there's something that, you know, there's a thought process that goes in your own head, but there's also this entire community who know you as, you know, Tasmia who works at the pharma company. For them to go from that to Tasmia who started a children's book brand is like, you know, um, and for me to face them, you know, um, in a social situation, and explain to them the whole transition. I don't know if uh, maybe a lot of people are a little bit taken aback by that because everyone's used to a certain part of me or version of me, and all of a sudden I become this different version. And I'm like, I'm still the same me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, like I'm, I'm, I'm also different because you know I, I, I started focusing on a side of me that I kind of locked away for a long time, and uh, it really makes. Uh, it really makes me much more happier to be this version of me, which I think is more of the real me. So um, I think it's just a matter of other people just getting used to the real me now. <laughs> yeah, but like in that sense, it's been a little bit tough for my friends and my family to see that, you know, and because a lot of mm-hmm. people didn't even know I was even working on this until I, I just mm-hmm. came out and be like, hey, <laughs> I have a company now. <laughs> <laughs> so so you know with your family was it like a shock to them and how do they you know take in you know this new change oh yes um you know like my my parents obviously like the whole south asian thing like <laughs> if you're not doing like you know stem related like what are you doing you know like this this whole like the world of instagram you know and like the whole social media and how 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 much of a big impact it has on creatives on in this day and age you know it's it's profound right and like they don't know anything about that right they they just think like oh my god like Tasmia is doing something where she's just trying to you know use her artistic talents to like you know kind of make a living right and it's like more more a lot of people worried like a lot of parents worry like it's like are you going to be a starving artist now <laughs> And Can I just say that is the most desi parent thing to do? <laughs> oh my god, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, like 
I think like they're still a little bit concerned because they don't really understand in full like what it is. They understand it now. They, I mean, they saw my product, so they get it and they get that there's a demand for it, you know. But like, um, they're just a little bit worried that like, am I sure that I want to do this after spending so many years, you know, just focusing on the STEM side, the science, and all like, you know, having a stable career, but um. You know, it is it is not to say that I'm I'm in any way um, not gaining anything. I'm if if anything, I'm just growing. You know, I'm just becoming a better version of me. So, uh, yeah, like this is something that nobody can take away. Mm-hmm. You know, any experience, I I take it as a chance opportunity to grow. Yeah, and um, if I can do this with a passion that I always had, like like so, you I'm you've already written a book on aid. So, what other themes are you going to explore? Um, I, I I do want to do a, like a series on the holidays or like the 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 bigger Islamic um, I guess events like you know like Ramadan and Hajj um, and then you know I also want to do because uh, my focus is also creating books that are like more of a keepsake books so like you know that moms can really cherish and just hold on to for until they become grandparents you know yeah. what I mean? like like that is the the main idea is it's that these books are not something that you can just read and then be like okay now we can just donate it or like give it away you keep it you know and you keep it as something that you can eventually inshallah show it to their children right like like how you is that experience right to see your parents name in a book that's about that right like that's pretty cool right so like um that is the main um kind of a target i'm going for so i make more like you know sentimental uh books as well you know things that would really capture someone's memory and you know make make their make their you know think fondly of of their their time they spend with their children so did any author influence your style um so I I actually um, spent a part of my childhood in Japan. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so uh, when I was really young, I spent four years there. So like I kind of have this um, influence from like I used to watch a lot of anime when I was little as well. Okay. So like <laughs> I know this is not the most like deepest <laughs> um, form of and like literature. But, like, um, I used to really enjoy looking at whimsical things, you know, because I guess that's where the influence is coming from. Um, so, yeah, like, that's something that I also try to incorporate even in my illustrations and in my stories is a little bit of a magicalness to it, you know, um, that it kind of transforms the kid's imagination into something that's a little bit like, you know, um, out of the world type of experience. Uh, you know, we are going through very difficult times right now. So mm-hmm. has this uh, coronavirus or this lockdown impacted your business in any way? Yes, because <laughs> at, at the time when I quit, I didn't know coronavirus even was going to be in the horizon. I was like, oh yeah, you know, I'm going to start this startup. It's going to be very exciting. I'm going to have a huge launch. I had it, um, I'm part of a um, Muslim Entrepreneur Association. I'm not sure if you heard of it. It's called MIA. It's um, run by uh, Salam Sabah. So um, she... Uh, yeah, I've heard of her. Um, so if she also did organize the um, Ramadan market last year. And she was supposed to organize a huge Ramadan market this year too. And I was supposed to have like a big event there, you know. Mm. Um, 
and it was supposed to be like the the biggest moment in my business my business so far right and that got canceled because of coronavirus and I was just like oh great like now <laughs> what like okay like I'm I I don't know how to do this um you know like how do I do this in Instagram like it was a huge learning curve there you know but um I, I think like there's so much of a community in the Instagram um mm-hmm. and and after the coronavirus I I feel like how do I say it? people are very much uh, serving the community way more, you know, and um, really building that strength in that community and Instagram. And like that has helped, like, I think every um, small business out there. Mm. Can I just tell the listeners that I discovered Wish Upon a Story through Instagram? Well, there you go. <laughs> I was I'm glad I got there then. <laughs> I was scrolling through my feed and I was like, wait a minute, this sounds interesting. And that's how, you know, we kind of connected and I'm so glad yeah. for that. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm very happy that you discovered me. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it definitely pays off. Like Instagram, I feel like in, it's, it's like an entire universe. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in a click of a button, you're in a completely different world of like ecosystems and social norms and yeah there's so much to learn you know and and I just can't believe an app can can have that type of just created an entire universe I feel mm-hmm. like yeah I understand I hear you so where do you go from here now now you have one book you know that you've written and you're working on your second what happens next assuming this whole COVID thing dies down what's mm-hmm. next on your agenda um so uh, I I I want to look into um, just uh, getting getting the, I guess the word out there more. You know, um, launching in more countries. Uh, you know, where children can benefit from uh, a product like this, as 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 well as uh, probably look into even opening up to like you know other other writers perhaps. You know, to give them an opportunity to tell their story and you know come up with a creative way to make it personalized like that would be pretty cool you know what i would like to really see i would like to see a book on how eat is celebrated in japan <laughs> oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i'm not sure how many customers <laughs> <laughs> um yeah that's true right um, that'd be interesting because when you said you were in japan i was like wow and how must eat be like there because we don't know i know how pe- different people from different cultures celebrate eat and, um yeah i don't i was so young when at the time when i was there i don't even remember um how we celebrated eat like my parents were just so busy just getting their degrees and stuff i don't even remember <laughs> like yeah. it actually did anything you know big but um things are different now things yeah. are very different yeah, parents definitely invest in how the children, you know, view their holidays and people are going mm-hmm. all out, you know, with personalized books and decors. And yeah, like I'm sure it's much, much more exciting now. Yeah, because I, I do a lot of decor with my kids for Ramadan and Eid. I don't remember doing that as a kid because yes. I think part of that was reason was that we were living in a community which was like so huge, uh, mm-hmm. you know, extended family and all the Eid, the spirit of Eid and Ramadan came through people. Yes, you know? yes. And here we exactly. suddenly find ourselves in our own isolated homes, you know, somewhere in the suburbs, and you just need to connect somewhere. So Yeah, it, you said it, it perfectly. I think that's what it is, is that my parents never had to make an effort. You were surrounded by the spirit of Eid, you know, yeah. um, back in our country, right? Like, no one really had to tell you, you know, <laughs> like, knew what to do, right? But yeah. Like, here, it's like, almost like, make the entire environment ourselves right mm-hmm. the children yeah yeah it's it's 
you're right. It's definitely very different. So uh, thank you so much, Tasmia, for sharing all those insights. And it was so amazing talking to you, honestly. <laughs> thank you so uh, much for having me. Yeah, it was really nice <laughs> conversing with you and learning about like your your uh, background and how you how you came and your experience. So that, that's that's actually very insightful as well. If you like this episode, please subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts from. We would also love to hear from you. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or just email us at feedback at acrossatable.com.